Each year, September 15th through October 15th is designated as National Hispanic and Latinx Heritage Month. This month-long observance recognizes and celebrates the histories, cultures, and contributions of the Hispanic and Latinx Americans past and present. It was during this month that a listener of the podcast, Becky, reached out to me to ask if I would cover the topic of networking, specifically within the Latinx and Hispanic community. Welcome to episode 118 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, professional speaker, author, and networking coach. And today I am discussing networking and advocacy within the Latinx and Hispanic communities. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. I was nervous to cover this topic. 100% transparency, I had been asked to cover this topic once before. But that was back when I had first started the podcast. At that time, I wasn't prepared to create an episode around the subject. When Becky reached out to me, I asked her if she would help me, if she would guide me in my research. She provided me with articles and studies, and we ended up talking for about an hour about her experience being a Latina in corporate America. Now, the amount of research and the time I spent talking with Becky didn't make me an expert, but it did offer me information and insights that I am now comfortable sharing with you as I continue to learn more about this subject. She mentioned that when considering the Latinx struggles in business, we need to think about the stereotypes, people's concepts of Latinas and Latinos in the United States, predominantly that they all come from the same background. She went on to tell me that every country has its own culture and distinction. There are approximately 62 million people of Latinx or Hispanic origin in America, and yet we put all these people with complex identities under a single umbrella. This has its roots in the census taking almost 100 years ago. The Pew Research Center reports that in the 1930s, Latinos living in the United States, regardless of their place of birth or family of origin, were noted as Mexican, by door-to-door -door U.S. Census Bureau counters. It wasn't until 1970 that the agency began asking Latinos living in the United States to self-identify as either Mexican, Puerto Rican, Cuban, Central or South American, other Spanish, or no, none of these. As of 2020, the Hispanic and Latinx population in the United States is almost 20% of the population of the entire country, and yet, a Latino Corporate Directors Association recent study shows 65% of 2022 Fortune 100 companies lack a single Latinx director on their board, and just a fraction of the small number of these board seats are held by Latinas. This might help explain why in America today, Hispanic women must work 22 months to equal the 12-month salary of white men. A recent Forbes article highlighted the fact that despite making up 17% of the U.S. workforce, Hispanic Americans currently hold just 4% of executive roles and 6.5% of STEM-related roles in the United States. 
This might help explain why, according to McKinsey, 50% of Black and Latina scientists are routinely mistaken for janitorial or administrative staff. We can do better than this. We know that when we see people that look like us in positions of power and authority, we begin to believe that we can also inhabit those high-profile positions. We not only need comfortable and welcoming networking opportunities for the Latinx and Hispanic community, but we also need mentors and advocates for the Latinx and Hispanic community. I want to share an excerpt from my conversation with Becky in regards to this topic. When I was looking at my goals for 2022, there were two things that were really resonating constantly. I want to do things that were centered around women issues. And then the other one was about background of being Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And luckily enough, I think I've been able to accomplish both. And so one of the avenues that I got to work on the women's part was through provisors. So Mm -hmm. now I'm the executive committee of the Women's Affinity Group for the DC chapter. And it's been really an amazing experience because now I get to connect with so many different women and it's to learn from their experiences and to help and lift each other up has been amazing. But when I still look around, I am the only Latina in my group. That's the one thing that really has struck me the most. Mm -hmm. And as I have reflected on my past and my journey, I have had many mentors. None of them have been Hispanic females. And they have only been either white females or people that are not really representing me necessarily. But then they have been great mentors. And one of the conversations that I was having earlier with somebody else was about the big difference between having a mentor and having an advocate. And it really didn't hit me until I had that conversation of the big difference. So you could have tons of mentors and which are really important to have in your life and in your professional career. But the advocate is just as important as the mentor. I had many mentors that have helped me polish myself professionally and become a better person, a better version of myself. But the advocate is the one person that will go out of their way, even when you're not there to say, you need to give her a chance or you need to give this person an opportunity. And that's where I feel that perhaps that's missing. And that's one of the things that I want at least to see if there's an opportunity to bring that to, to a podcast, because I think that Latinas are underrepresented in so many different ways. The definition of an advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends. It doesn't matter who you are or what background you come from. We all have the ability to be advocates and we all have the ability to create networking events that are open and welcoming to the Latinx and Hispanic community. A recent article in WGBH highlighted how isolating being an immigrant can be even and especially if you are in a professional work setting. The article highlighted a Mexican immigrant named Carl Parma who said, I don't have any school buddies here. I don't have any kids that I went to primary school with. I don't know their parents. I don't have these networks where people can just trust me. I asked Becky about her experience moving to the United States from Puerto Rico in her 20s. In these days, because you have so many different types of backgrounds, you have Latinos that have been born and raised in the States Mm -hmm. that really don't even feel like they're fully Latinos. They feel like more American than than they feel Latinos because they've grown up here. They establish roots here. So they feel more American than they do. And, Mm -hmm. And so in my case, it's a bit different because I was born and raised in a Hispanic country. So now 
I've been planted here and I consider the U.S. my home, but I still have a lot of things that really define me because of where I grew up. Becky went on to discuss how varied Hispanic culture is, but also how it serves as a thread to connect with others within the community. There are a lot of misconceptions about what Latinos are about, how we do things. There are so many different misconceptions about Latinos in general, just Mm -hmm. to begin with, because there are tons of countries with different cultures, different backgrounds. And so there are many misconceptions depending on where you grew up, Mm -hmm. what your background is. And it's funny that The one thing that at least within Hispanics, we have learned to come together is just the fact that we feel like we're one bubble. So we find each other just to connect because we feel like at least there's somebody that understands me, Mm -hmm. even though we are different in so many different levels. So it's interesting to see that even within the Latino community, there are so many things that make us different, but Mm -hmm. still find our way to connect. And if that, if we can do that within the Hispanic community, why not do it in general? So why not do it in general? Well, that's where we come in, by providing and creating welcoming events, by mentoring and advocating, by looking at the makeup of our boards and committees and asking ourselves if there is Hispanic representation, by encouraging people to network with diverse groups of people, to understand that meeting somewhere where they are at may be admitting that you have a lot to learn. I don't know all the answers, and I'm just beginning to learn about this subject, but as Becky reminded me, I have the platform, so I also have the responsibility to shine a light on things that need to be discussed. I want to thank Becky for reaching out to me, for helping me learn, for sharing her story. I'm happy to report that Becky has been asked to join a board in D.C. She's literally becoming the change that she wants to see. Here she discusses how she went from looking for representation to becoming the representation. And what's interesting is my conversation with this person, when she brought it up, I was telling her how when I was looking at board compositions, I always try to look for the person that would be able to represent me. And her reply back just hit me. It hit me like a brick wall. She said, why not you? Uh, I, I had never thought about it, honestly. It was just one of those moments where I am just like speechless and I went gaga. Again, I could not have created this episode without guidance from Becky and I want to thank her. I asked Becky if she would share her favorite cocktail with us for the drink of the week. As I mentioned, Becky is from Puerto Rico, which is also where Don Q rum is produced and is her favorite. So she shared a drink with us called Pasión Madras. Here's what you're going to need. One and a half ounces of Don Q Pasión rum. So this is a passion fruit rum. One and a half ounces of orange juice, four ounces of cranberry juice, and one orange slice for garnish. What you're going to do is you're going to mix all ingredients and serve on ice and then garnish with that slice of orange. That's all for this week. I'm so glad that you are here, and I'm so glad that I have listeners like Becky to remind me that I have a platform and who push me to cover topics that I might otherwise have missed. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. And until next week, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. 
See you next week on This Shit Works.